here with a special Top Bins of Twins episode. We're recording a ton of podcasts this week, Luke. Yeah, we are. I mean, when you have so much going on, how could we not be? <laughs> yeah, we're um, recording this after probably one of the most eventful U.S. games in recent memory. I'd say probably a top five U.S. game of all time, in my opinion. Wouldn't you say so? Um, I think, you know, it, questionably. I mean, it's a really good performance. It's just not quite the stage where some other performances might have outshined this one. I okay, think. we could phrase it to this, Luke. How about it's a storied chapter in the U.S.-Mexico rivalry. That, that works for me. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah. and just for everybody out there, um, we had the U.S.-Mexico play last night in Las Vegas for the CONCACAF Nations League semifinal, and the U.S. prevailed 3-0 with Christian Pulisic two goals and um, Pe- Ricardo Pepe scoring a clincher in the what was that, 78th, minute. 78th minute. 78th. 78th minute and yeah. honestly it was a joy to watch this team play there's a lot of stuff that happened in the game that we'll kind of dive into break down but it was one of the most holistic performances by a u.s team we've seen in quite a bit of time it really was um and that that was the thing is that there was a massive spectacle between all four red cards however many yellows were handed out but you know ultimately I think that, you know, the U.S. just put in an amazing performance, and it's something that they should be proud of, um, that it's something to build off of, and hopefully on Sunday against Canada, they can put in a similar experience, similar performance. Yeah, dude, it's on, it's really exciting, though. I mean, I think we had everybody balling. I mean, Pulisic, that looks like one of his best games in a U.S. jersey. Like, yeah, he was he, just... it, it, looked, it looked back to, like, that vintage Pulisic where, you know, he's, I think the best way to say it is just a lot more direct. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he was he was attacking wide spaces, he was attacking in the channels. He was a, he was basically everywhere. He was making runs to the far post to or more like mid mid tier like right right at the goal on the second goal he had, but it was uh awesome performance and I think we're going to um yeah, we'll we'll definitely dive into that more, but let's take a little bit of a break. Um when we come back, we're going to kind of highlight some of those really important performances that we liked and then break down the match a little bit further. Yep. All right. We are back from a break, Luke, and West is happy, and we're happy to be back on the pod. Yes, we are. Everyone is happy. Everybody's happy around here. So let's. Um, I think the way we're going to go about this is me and Luke are going to kind of detail our three biggest moments of the game from a broad perspective or just a general moment in the game that we saw. And starting off, Luke, I think one of the biggest things for me that stood out in this game was just the complete control that the U.S. had over a team like Mexico who we've traditionally struggled against and in situations like just controlling the ball, controlling the flow of the game, and the way we built up, it was a very impressive performance in that regard. It was. I agree. I think there was pure domination on the U.S. side and a lot of capitulation on Mexico side. They, you know, their game plan, um, you could see what they were trying to do, you know, trying to play in their wingbacks in space. But the U.S. was not having it. You know, we we dominated possession. And frankly, it never really felt like Mexico had a real clear opportunity even no, in the first they, place. They didn't even. They honestly, I, I didn't even feel like we got pushed by Mexico, which is something historically that has the U.S. U.S. team has not been able to do. I think so, th- there was one. Sorry to cut you off there. There was one good. moment where Matt Turner played a ball to Musa in the, like the seventy fifth, seventy sixth, or something, mm-hmm. and put Musa in a really dangerous spot. 
And Mexico probably should have converted, but Turner makes a great save and they pull it wide in the far yeah. post. And it, it turned out they were offsides anyway, so it's, yeah, yeah, right. But it's a non-chance. But that was the biggest. Moment there was a have. threat, and they're already down three nil. Match is over. Um, so yeah, I I agree. Uh, yeah, I agree with what you're saying there. Yeah, and it it should be stated too that um, Mexico, this this is a poor Mexico team. It really is. They and in their in their defense, they two of their best players are hurt. With um, Tricky Lozano and um, what's his face? Cro- not who? Jimenez. Who? Jimenez, yeah, and Jimenez but too. Jimenez was. Yeah, I'm I, not sure if he's on the bench. I think he was. Yeah, I think he just selected not to play him. Is what happened. Yeah, but the, this is the point. Is this is a probably one of the I'm not going to say worst Mexican sides but this is a lower tier Mexican Mexican squad the US face so we have to frame that in there and they just have a new head coach like there's there's a lot of development that's needed from this Mexican side to prepare for 2026 there is certainly a lot that needs to be done and I mean Diego Coca has been there for not too long he was appointed in February I don't know how much longer we're going to see him there if I'm going to be honest yeah, and that's that's it's really worrying to me because I think from my perspective, Luke, and then we can kind of just talk about this right now. But if I'm not if the US isn't playing Mexico, I want them to do well because I mean, I think we've both had obviously one of um both of our really good friends is he's from Mexico, he's a Mexican soccer fan. And we've also we've gone we went to the USA Mexico game in 2020 right at the CONCACAF Nations League final. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we had a ton of positive experiences with Mexican fans. And I think a lot of the stuff we see about the chants, the throwing beer, all this stuff, it's a small, it's a very small population of people. And I think every, as U.S. fans, we should just keep our mind open when it comes to treating other people like, you know, just as human beings, you know, stuff yeah, happens. It's also, you know, whenever on social media, there's these certain narratives that pop up amongst fan bases and all this it's just so much different if you meet someone in person, right? I mean, the connection you can make with them, you know, like obviously people care about their football clubs, their international teams that they support, you know, people are going to be passionate about that. That that's good. But whenever it translates into throwing something at a player on the pitch, um, some rather kind of insulting Mm -hmm. chants, all that, that's the behavior that, you know, a lot of these other fans from Mexico, they do not support or condone. Yeah. It just, you know, there's a sudden, you know, there's a steady, you know, minority that just kind of um, dominates the narrative for all these, all those other fans out there who are amazing people, really good fans, very loyal to their club and their, you know, international teams. And it's just kind of a shame that those, you know, smaller minority are the ones that kind of have the bigger voice, unfortunately. Yeah, the, I think the whole point of our little discourse here is just let's keep an open mind and let's just be as kind as we can and enjoy the rivalry, too. That's, too, that's part of it. Like the, the banter, the back and forth, totally here for it, but let's do it from a respectful place on both sides. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, so I, so I kind of want to drill in on a point that I think is really important to the mm-hmm. match. Um, who, what was the official's name for this match? Do you remember? Oh, I googled it. I don't remember. I don't. It. We've so we've know, seen him a lot in Concacaf. I, yeah. I don't. I don't you remember all, his name. If you're listening to this podcast, you know who I'm talking about. Um, Paul, could you look that up real fast while I kind of make this point? If you don't mind, yeah, go ahead. Um, so in the 59th minute or so, we have Gio Reyna was hit in the face. Right. Um, you know that's the point where he's on the ground bleeding. And that would have been, um, I think it was, 
I think it was Altuna who hit him. Yeah, Antuna, right? He had already had a yellow earlier in the match. And if he would have given him a yellow on this, which I guarantee you, if this would have been hit, he would not have had a yellow. That would have been a yellow-worthy challenge. Because the official did not, you know, stand up, make a statement, and pull out a second yellow, he lost control of the match at that yep. point. Totally and agree. He, he did not have control the whole time regardless. His name is Ivan Barton, by the way. Luke. Yeah, I think he's from El Salvador. Yeah. Um, and at that point in the match was where everything just escalated. And yeah. it, he was clearly not in control of any of the players. He, you know, re- resulted in four reds, which is something you just do not want to see, right? You know, it's Mexico, USA. Of course, you know, they're going to be difficult challenge. People are going to be, you know, they're going to stick in the challenges. But at the same time, like, it just destroys the spectacle and it, it becomes a spectacle all to itself outside of the match. And that's not what we want as football fans. Yeah, you have to have control, especially in that environment. Like, that's a pressure cooker. You throw players in there and yes i mean they're professional athletes but i mean there's so much energy in that building it's so easy to react in a way you typically wouldn't the referee has to control the game and he just on it he did a terrible job of controlling the game and he really like not even just controlling the game he did a bad job of refereeing the game in my opinion too to the point where me and luke were watching the game last night and we were kind of like can we um just not ever have Concacaf refs again yeah and because they, the like, they just they, it's a constant theme from these referees where they just they don't protect players and when i look at it i'm also very biased of course but especially american players like they let people just kick the crap out of christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna too like they let them do whatever they want yeah i something that i also wanted to highlight so as the match continued to descend to anarchy you know Yellows are kind of handed out like candy for a little while there from about the 60th to the yeah. 65th. <laughs> they and really then, were. And then around the 69th is when Montez comes up behind, knocks out Balagoon's leg from behind, and everything just sparks off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it. Let's just be honest. It was a dirty play. It was frustration. And it did not look good on Montez. Let's just say yeah. that, right? I, um, I don't think we want to say like that. Reflects his character, but I mean that that's a very bad. No, moment. it's a yeah. it's a poor moment for him. Yeah, right? it's a I'm very not, poor it's moment. It's not a reflection of yeah. Who you didn't he say that. I'm person. just I just want to be clear about yeah. it. Yeah. No, he he had a bad moment there, and it it was a bad one. Um, so he gets a red there, and then Weston McKinney and the rest of the team. This is the point I really wanted to make. I love is this. they come in, and they protect their new player, right? And for someone like Balagoon, who's new to the squad, he has not been around them a long time. This is going to build those connections amongst the squad so much stronger, firmer, and faster than they would otherwise that um, I think this is a really big moment for our team as well, right? So McKinney and Dest are not going to be able to play in the final against Canada. Correct. That is very disappointing, but I would argue McKinney's red is fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah, he came we're, in we're defending his page. player. I don't necessarily even think what he did was worthy of a red. I just think that... The official, the one that you just named, I forgot his name already. Ivan Bartone. That Bartone lost control, and he was grasping, trying to get control. And you could see at the very end of the match, after he blew the whistle early, his face, he just, it looked like he couldn't handle it, you know? Like, yeah. There's so much pressure. It's a and, constant theme, man. Yeah. So, nice. you know, at that point, everything spills over again, you know, end up two red, one red on each side. Uh, McKinney sent off, and so is Montez. 
from there, um, we get another series of reds, and that occurs in the, which minute is this? In the 86th minute, which is so unfortunate for Sergio yeah. Dest. He has to be smarter than this. Especially, we talked at, at this point in his career, you know? Yeah, and Paul was saying this earlier. He, Serginho needs to be on the pitch. He needs to be getting that game time. We saw his assist. It was beautiful. I mean, he he played that ball. So he made an amazing run, cuts through the defense, and slices the ball through with his left foot to Pepe, who just slots it through. Like, if he's on the pitch, he's going to have chances to shine when he's in the U.S. jersey. Um, and that's mm. what he needs yep. to be doing. He needs to be selling himself to clubs. And hopefully, you know, this one appearance is more than enough to do that. I, you know, I don't know. It's frustrating. Well, I, I think the really impressive part about Dest this game, which we kind of saw at the World Cup, which really surprised, I think, both of us, was he was really, 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 really good defensively in the World Cup. He maybe had one or two bad moments in this game. He also, he was not, we can phrase it, he was not facing world-class attackers, but he was basically almost locked down on that right side. Like, on mm-hmm. a, very, a really, really, really good performance from him. And then he also, like Luke said, assisted the goal. He was very creative. Like, he always is on the right side. And there were even a couple challenges he made that were called fouls that I completely disagree with. Yeah. There were a couple where he won the ball and then nicked a player's foot as on his way through. And he came back and caught that. You know, I, you know, the, the last thing I'm going to say about the official, and I'll be done. It was ridiculous that actually I have two things here. Christian Pulisic got a yellow card for giving the armband to someone else as he's walking yeah, off the field. That's he, bullshit. He went back five steps to give someone the, the captain's armband, and he got a yellow card for that. And uh, it's upsetting. Okay. I, we're on. The, I, it's I'm upsetting. Done, I'm done with that point. And secondly, yeah, I think where it. he made another huge mistake is. After the chants come in, you know, he stops the game once and then he lets it go a second time. He doesn't say anything the second time. He does not stop the match. I think if he's going to blow the whistle early after they add 12 minutes on and kills the game with seven minutes added, why not just do it the second time they do their chant? Like, I I do not understand what the decision thought or even thought process is there. So um, maybe CONCACAF can take a good hard look at, you know, who they're officiating and possibly even get in some, you know, higher quality officials. Listen, we, if, if, the, if one thing's clear about this podcast, we know CONCACAF does not care. They, the product they put out, the stuff they allow to happen in their federation, they do not care, which is really sad because, I mean, we have no control over what they do, and it bleeds down into the fans and players and the environment of games, and we hate to see that. You know, we want an open, inclusive environment, and CONCACAF will not enforce that as they've shown. Yeah, yep. That's true. They 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 suck. All right, can I go to my next my next? Yeah, go ahead. I point? think I hit all of my bullet points in that one. So. Yeah, I just have I have one more. You actually hit my my second one was red cards and the ensuing fallout of that or anything. Yeah. Uh, so my last bullet point is Cristiano Pulisic. Okay. Um, I'm guessing you were very happy with his performance. I thought, like we said earlier in the pod, he looked explosive. He looked daring. He looked like he was. So ready for this game, and there were a couple moments where um, it was. I think it was between um, when he missed the first the first chance, which was a great run. That that was a vintage Pulisic run. If he if he finishes that, that goes down as probably one of his better goals of all time. I'd say it, it's a, it's it's in the YouTube compilation of his good goals. Right. This is something we've been talking about for a long time with him over the past three or four years. 
that it's that that pep in his step and that yeah, the ability to turn the corner and that's what he had. Mm-hmm. That, he that stood out early on. Yeah, but it was it was that moment whenever um, he got tackled from behind after he missed that first chance before the f- first goal, where he got taken down from behind, and you could just see he was just lighting into the defender, yelling at him, and he he was yelling at people everywhere. And dude, you could just see in that moment, like when he missed the first goal, it was upsetting, but you kind of knew that like he was gonna strike. Like mm-hmm. he had, when he sometimes Pulisic yeah. gets this look in his eye. And you just you just kind of know that he's gonna go for it. And this, the celebration of the first goal when he just kicked the flag was I that, that's so awesome. I, I love that celebration. Yeah, that was a really good one. He, he, whenever Pulisic scores, I feel like every time it's just this emotional outpouring. You it's know, especially when it's him. been it really is. Yeah. it's been so long since he scored. Um, getting that brace was huge for him, for yep. you know his self confidence. But I mean, there have to be other teams in the prim that see that brace and think, "All right, we give him the space to operate, keep the ball at his feet, let him go directly at attackers, at defenders." Yep. I mean, this this is a really good way for him to sell himself to other clubs. Yeah, I think um, we'll have to see. I'm I'm interested for the final against Canada because I think Canada tactically is a completely of course they're a completely different matchup but this is a team that matches up a lot better against the u.s and they're a higher quality opponent than this mexican side mm-hmm. so right. let's let's see what christian pulisic comes out for this game because i think this team feels like there's a lot to prove against canada after how the world cup qualifying games went and canada doing a lot of talking about them being the kings of Concacaf after winning world cup qualifying which maybe it makes them the kings i don't know but well i'm i'm really intrigued to see how this final is going to go I, I am as well, but I just realized that something we haven't talked about yet is Gio Reyna embracing his inner Slim Shady. Oh, dude. <laughs> Eminem look. I love it. I I fucking love it, too. I think it's such a good look for him. Like, it fits Gio Reyna so well. And, you know, with a certain, you know, Greg Burhalter coming back around, yeah. I think that, you know, this fits his narrative as well. I... Oh, uh, we'll talk about Greg a little bit later, but I am um, Gio Reyna is one of the m- biggest things I'm most worried about with our U.S. future. Um, I Greg think he's. Back. I think it's going to be fine. I I really do. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he loves playing for the U.S. in most regards. And I, it, there has to be. There's going to be an awkward phase. There's going to be questions about everything. But honestly, as long as Gio Reyna is playing, and if we saw tonight, like he is so good in that midfield role. Whenever he can just stay in there, help facilitate everything, create chances for other people, and try to create for himself, like that 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 should be his position going forward. Also, before we before I forget, I owe an apology to Timothy Weah because I I said that Taylor Booth should start, and I was wrong. I was one one hundred million percent wrong, and I own up to it. You know? Yeah. No, it, it's okay. Yeah, I think. The Timothy Weah that we see for club is far different than the Timothy Weah we see for his international side. Yes, that's fair. Right. So he he offers that dynamic pace that, you know, a lot of our players don't naturally have. And he plays such an important role. That assist to Plusik to start out the second half. Yeah, it was beautiful. A great made ball. such a great run. I mean, Weston plays in a beautiful yeah. ball to his feet by it was the ball it, from Weston. It really it was, was the ball, but it was really interesting how it happened, right? Weston kind of drifts wide to honestly pull the defense a little bit and spread them apart. 
and he just gets on his right foot and plays that wonderful ball through to Timothy, who mm-hmm. takes an amazing touch and just, I mean, absolutely blows past the defender. Like, Dude, he, he did knew. not stand a chance. I like, think he knew after 15 minutes. He was like, yeah, I'm going to be able to do whatever I want like, with this This dude. man is barbecued chicken. <laughs> barbecued chicken. Um, but beautiful assist there. Great to see that. Um, Way and Pulisic kind of developed a really nice connection secretly yeah. over the past couple of years. So it's good to see that. Um, I, I do think would have liked to see Taylor Booth come in at some point, but with all the reds and everything, kind of threw everything up yeah. in the you air. You can't really plan um, for two red cards, you know? Yeah. No, you, you really can't. Paul, do you have any more points on this that you want to make? No, I think that's about it for okay. me. Um, so maybe we'll take a little break here and come back with our expected starting 11s um, against Canada and then maybe dibble our feet into the Greg pool a little bit and talk about a little our frustration there. Yeah. yeah. We'll, um, we'll, we'll keep it. We won't keep it too long, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you in a minute. Welcome back everyone. Uh, this is Luke here. Paul is right over there. Um, across, across the room the from room. me. Yes. We will clearly delineate that in the future now, apparently. I've really missed you, Luke. <laughs> Okay, all right. Well, let's look at the our projected starting 11 for Sunday's matchup against Canada in the Nations League final. Um, so it's going to be, honestly, it should be pretty simple for us to you know knock this out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and not many changes. Let you all know what we think is going to happen with the red cards and you know some players not being available. So um, obviously we're going to expect Matt Turner in goal. That's agreed, right? Yeah. Uh, Matty T is for sure starting. Yes, Matty T. Um, and then at left back, you know, we would expect Anthony Robinson yeah, to still also be starting. Majorly understated performance. He was really good again last, last he night. He was. And I think he, I've, I got the feeling from him, right? Watching him, he felt like a Premier League defender who has, yeah. you know, gone up against top tier quality and frankly with some of these mexican players it just felt like he was like are you really trying that right now (laughs) yeah he's like don't hit hit me with that weak shit homie (laughs) like Like, come on bro what are you doing (laughs) he's literally like what the fuck are you even doing like i know exactly what you're doing yeah so it was it was really nice to see that you know i really felt his confidence kind of radiating which was really cool a mainstay rock of our team go ahead who do you think next okay so center backs um i expect richards and robinson for center backs again yep um, I don't really see any reason for that to change because they both perform really well, both on yellows, but, you know, that doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. Um, at right back, you know, Serginho, he got a red card in the 87th minute, so he will not be available for this upcoming match. I think we'll probably see Joe Scally. You know, I don't see anyone else who's really going to vie for that. Scally subbed on for De- for Pulisic at the end there um, to kind of fill that right back spot, so I think Joe Scally will be plug and play for that. We're in complete agreement there. He, um, Joe Scally, I think, is a great alternative to have as a right back. I think there's some U.S. fans out there that don't think he's of the level yet to actually be a starting right back. But I, I think he's an awesome secondary option at this point. Yeah, so we'll we'll kind of see what we get out of him on Sunday. Um, you know, he will be matched up there against um, Alfonsi against Fonzie so yeah um, if he's playing be, on the left wing if but he's gonna venture forward no doubt for Canada so yeah it's gonna and be. he I mean he's subbed on in their match so he he definitely has some kind of injury concern I don't know exactly what it is but his time I don't I don't necessarily expect to see him start frankly um but we'll kind of see what happens so kind of moving on from there um last 
last night the U.S. kind of played a double pivot with McKinney and Musa. Mm-hmm. So obviously we expect to see Musa back. You know he'll be playing, and he was kind of playing deeper than McKinney, which was an interesting yeah. move there. Oh, I was one hundred percent fine with it. I think McKinney was great, which yeah, is kind he, of the saddest part about the red. But yeah, so you know I think our expectations for who's going to come in for McKinney. Paul, don't get too excited about this. I think Luca De La Torre will probably yes, come in yes, and start yes, for him. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Big De- Luca De La Torre stands over here. Yep. Um, I'm a fan as yep. well, but Paul definitely kind of leads that bandwagon, I think. For I, we all know he offers something that is not in this player pool from his position. Yeah, so it'll be fun to see him up against a really good Big competition test. in Big Canada. Big test against Canada for him. Uh, let's let's hope that he you know kind of stands up to the moment and performs well. I, I think there, he will. But. Look, I think there also is a slight chance, slight chance, that we could see Johnny playing and Musa moving in a little bit of a more forward role in the pivot. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it'll be Luca Dilatoria and Musa, but and something to keep an eye out for. It could it could happen. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's a good shout. I like that. You know, it's something little, little alternative there, but it's very possible. You know, something that could could happen. So it's something to look out for. Um, and then up top, up top with our attacking four, <laughs> I would expect everything to say exactly the same. Um, you know, Polistic on the left wing, Geo up the middle, Way on the right, and then Balagoon up top. Um, maybe possible Booth might maybe get a start. I don't think so, I frankly, though. I, I don't think he's changing um, any of the attackers. So those top four seem pretty, you know, pretty concrete for me. Yeah, no, I, I, we're we're on the same page this time, man. Um, it it, I want to see how this game's gonna play out because we're gonna have to be a lot more self aware about where we're leaving ourselves self open for Canada to counterattack. Because that's that's where they love to hit you. If like the game in um, we played in was I think it was Montreal. It I don't was know, somewhere the, in Canada. Yeah, the yeah. World Cup qualifying game that was somewhat in the snow, somewhat not. That that's exactly what Canada wants to do. They're gonna sit back. They're gonna absorb pressure. They're gonna take as much as they can, and then they're gonna counter because they have great athletes and they have great players up top. Like that's probably their strongest suit besides their left back situation. They're. On the counterattack, they're a very dangerous team that we're going to have to set up a little differently for, I'd say. Yeah, and they're, you know, with that 4 4 2 that they normally play, they do kind of sit rather deep, right? Especially with their, mm-hmm. you know, central midfielders and then, you know, their back four. They're not going to give us too much space, right? It, everything's difficult against them. The possession we have, I imagine, will be, you know, much less on the interior like it was and much more along the exterior and trying to break into that interior. Well, so the, the whole. The most one of the most interesting pieces of this to me is if we can get the same free flowing attacking on the front foot kind of football going, which I think is honestly what we should do against Canada is just kind of go for it. Yeah, I, if we can get that rhythm, same intensity, I think Canada is really going to struggle to deal with a full 90 minutes of a relentless attack from us. Yeah, you know, and it's our it's our last match to watch without Triple G coming in, so. Um, I mean, we have we have the Gold Cup with the MLSers, so that'd be fun, right? I feel like he'll be back for that. No, I think he he's, will. Uh, all the reports are saying he won't be back for the Gold Cup. Uh, well, so it'll be BJ Callahan again for the Gold Cup. Dang. Well, which doesn't make sense. Our stupid yeah, federation, but I don't know about that one. Okay. Well, you know, honestly, this is a good time. Let's pivot to Greg Burrell Holter's appointment to U.S. manager. Um, Paul, what are some of your initial thoughts on that decision? It it feels something to the extent of. Honestly, 
I'm not 100% against Greg Berhalter being hired back. I think there's there was for sure better options out there. But it just feels like to me like we kind of keep going on about the U.S. Soccer Federation, literally. I It wouldn't surprise me this if this comes out. It'll come out 20 years from now. I think everything they've done since Berhalter was quote-unquote let go from the job has all been a smokescreen to bring him back. Like, it, it really just comes off that way. And, yes, they put out a little, like, a little like presser or like information about the process, how they brought in a new coach. They hired um, Matt Crockett, I think, the guy from Southampton, to be the sporting director. And it, to me, it just reeks of the federation being complacent and not wanting to and wanting to stay with Burhalter. I mean, literally, the one person that could alienate one of our youngest, brightest talents ever in Gio Reyna, they brought him back. And yes, I'm not saying we should cater to Gio Reyna. I'm not saying the whole team should be about him. But you're telling me there's not a better fit, somebody that is more tactically understanding of what games demand. And Burhalter, that's probably his biggest knock, is he tactically he's not super aware of how to make changes. There has to be somebody better out there that's going to build a better relationship. And Bridges have already been burned with a lot of these players by Burhalter. So it's going to take a lot of peace offer- offerings, a lot of olive branches, and it, it bothers me that the Federation took the time to, like, mislead all of us, essentially. Like, I, it, it feels kind of untrustworthy, you know? I think you're giving them a lot of credit saying that this was their master grand plan to arrive at this point six you, months you later. You could be right. Yeah, back. you could be right, Luke. I think all it is is, you know institutional ineptitude that is what i think it is right so during the press conference today where greg berhalter was introduced you have some of the key decision makers up there right um and matt crocker who you were just talking about who was brought from southampton who was kind of leading the search he's thrown out all these data analysis terms you know the different frameworks the eight different models they used for deciding who would be a good progressive coach, who's going to connect with the players. I think all of it's bullshit. And the reason why I think that is that I think they went through and interviewed some people and did not get the reaction they wanted. Like, for example, Jesse Marsh, I think his agent when he was tweeting yesterday, that was him basically saying, okay, well, they didn't go with us, so this is me trying to, you know, mess up their plan somehow. Yeah, Um, for sure. But... My point still being, I think they went through, could not find any candidates that were either interested because they fumbled the process. And then they were like, oh, well, we still have this guy, Greg, here, who we know the fans are not going to be a fan of, but he knows the players. And, you know, there's a chance that, you know, he'll do okay, which that's what he did with the U.S. He did okay. There was nothing extraordinary that he accomplished. He created a good environment for players until he you there know, was decided, growth. We can say there, that was, there growth was growth until he decided to personally alienate some of the key players in this team. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. it would be interesting, right? Say that he alienated Christian Pulisic. He would not be back. No, there's, and that, there's we, no we know discuss, that for yeah, a fact. That's, a, that's there's 100%. no way. So he was selective in who he, who he alienated. But who's to say this isn't going to happen again? Right. And yes, some of the players that he alienated, they were very young players and probably are kind of reactive and probably could have handled themselves better. But he is the adult in the room. He's the one who's supposed to have all of this experience. 
And I just don't think he's the right guy for the job, frankly. Yeah, I'm there with you. I mean, I th- I think we're setting ourselves up for mediocrity from a head coach level. And I, I don't think he's completely inept. I don't think he's I don't think he's Hitler incarnate, like like some people on Twitter think. And yes, there's a past history. There's stuff that's happened. He got investigated for domestic violence. Like that that's something that happened. It is what it is. And it's something honestly though that at this point, like that should not be brought up on Twitter about this discourse, you know? Honestly. Yeah. Whenever you're going that deep into someone's personal life about, you know, something that happened 30, 40 years ago, that is wrong. And obviously the Reinas were wrong to bring that back up. Yeah. That whole situation is just completely and utterly wrong altogether. Yeah. And we're not, we're not, you know? of course, we are not condoning domestic violence, any of that situation at all. No. The whole not. situation is that it shouldn't, it's just not something that people should be spouting about on Twitter when there was an investigation done. And he's talked about it, and everybody's talked about it. And you know what? The the simple matter of the fact now is that this is our head coach going into the 2026 World Cup. Right. And for me, what I see here is, you, you know, A, I think they should have required him to have conversations with these players ahead of time. Yeah, what, easily. That's a great there, point. There's no reason why you bring him back in and do not have him talk to Joe Scali. Ricardo Pepe, Gio, Gio Reyna, and literally clear the air with these players. He has not talked to them since the fucking World Cup. Or before the World Cup and Pepe's situation. Which is mind-fucking-blowing, right? Yep. And I think, you know, secondly, like, why... I just... Oh, I lost my second point. But no, I, I think them not having him talk to these players beforehand screams of ineptitude and frantically, you know, just... Picking what's easy. And, Luke, the saddest part of this whole situation is is that I I can't even tell you who the better coach was, who the best fit is to coach this team, but there, I guarantee you there was somebody out there. There was somebody that was interested, and I think we can both agree that the Federation did not take the proper steps to make sure. I mean, they, they just threw a softball out there, and I, I think it was easy for them to either whether it's my idea of them having a master plan to bring Greg back or Luke's of ineptitude, it's not simply put, it's not good enough. From a federation level, they should be better. And there's other parts of the federation that suck, but this this they're dropping the ball with possibly, hopefully not, but maybe our golden generation. Oh, it, I mean, it feels that way. Obviously, we have a lot of young talent coming up as well, so hopefully it's a prolonged kind of version of that golden Maybe it's generation. Just a start, hopefully. You know? But I just, it also, the second point that I wanted to make here was say they go through, smooth everything out, you know, things are good for a while. All of the baggage underlying everything here, that's going to come up at some point, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, the distrust that he's created with a lot of these players, that's not going to go away. You know, and I don't care what you say, but always in the back of their minds, some of these players are going to be like, oh, well, he didn't trust me then. Does he trust me now? And that mm-hmm. is not a foundation that I think they can build on for prolonged success. Right. And going into 2026, that's not something I want them to be fighting. And we easily could have closed that chapter, moved on, found someone else, even if it was, I mean, BJ Callahan. You know, have him be a coach for a year, which building up in the, which great under BJ. You know, which I like, I don't care. Game. That's fine. You know, 
my thing is just let's move on from the past. And mm-hmm. this decision brings all the past right back. It does. It does. I mean, I th- I think we can talk circles all the way around it, but the simple fact, like I said, is it's not good enough. And there should have been more transparency through this whole process for us to, for the end result. It just, it just, it just reeks. It It's, it's bad. I would do have to say it's kind of ironic, right? Because last night when the U S played Mexico, the U S destroyed Mexico. Mm-hmm. And after this decision, it kind of feels like some of our future is destroyed at the same time. It's, it's I, I think that's kind of a prisoner of the moment statement. I, I, we, we honestly won't know until after 2026, but a, a thing that needs to be said too is there was a lot of growth in this U S team under Greg Berhalter. And we can just attribute that to them growing up, developing, becoming more mature. But if you, if you look, if you look at the way we played last night, I mean, a lot of that stuff is kind of partly, I mean, it's Greg's assistant. It's all of this stuff. So there was touches of that and the, some of the key players really like him. So we're, we're just going to have to give him a chance. There's, there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. It's, it's a simple fact that we're, we're here for it. So yeah, yeah. As you can tell, I'm very <laughs> excited yeah, for this. I I understand. Um, I feel the same way. But I mean, there's there's only one option now. We have to. No, support, I agree. You know? He's our coach now, so we we have to back him, and we will. You know, it's just gonna take a little bit of time to get my mind around it, wrap my head fully, mm-hmm. you know, around the situation. So, um, I just continually keep on thinking about Gio Reyna, and I just I feel bad he's placed in this position. Obviously, you know, a lot of the things that happen. Um, shouldn't have happened in the first place, but I just wish yeah. he would have been able to move on from that. So I agree. Um, right. Yeah. Well, we I, also uh, go ahead. We can say, we can. Uh, no, you go ahead. I was, yeah, you got it. Yeah. I think I've, I basically said everything I wanted to say. We have a final to look forward to. That's on Sunday, right? Luke. Yeah. It's on Sunday. It's on Sunday um, against Canada. That'll be a fun, that'll be a really fun match. Everybody make sure you tune in. Uh, so it's on Sunday at eight thirty PM. Um, you can see it on Univision and I think Paramount. God, so that's another thing about the federation I could go off about, but whatever. I'm not. We're not going to do it. There's a lot of things you could go off about, so let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I think that's going to wrap for us. Um, thank you all for joining us on this little spur of the moment pod. There were lots of things we wanted to get off our chest and kind of mm-hmm. um, discuss so that you all could hear us. And um, yeah, but hope you guys have a great rest of your day and thanks for listening. Yeah, we'll we'll see you sometime soon. We'll I think there's going to be we're going to do some different stuff with different stuff with the pod the rest of the summer. Kind of while we're on a USMNT break and an FPL break, so just keep an eye out for that. I'll be choosing an F uh Premier League team to follow. Dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. Big decision, probably one of the biggest decisions of my life most likely. Or, or maybe is it dun dun dun. dun, dun. <laughs> I love it. I love are it. you are you a shark hunting your prey? Maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe possibly. But we'll just keep an eye out. We're gonna have stuff on all our feeds. We'll be we'll be around oh, putting oh, out content. Ooh, ooh, Paul, would you rather be an orca? I think you'd rather be an orca. I dude, I'd rather be an orca, dude. They're so cool. Yeah. Okay. Maybe tangent time. Nope, no tangents. Thanks, guys. <laughs> all right. Bye, See you everybody. Later. <laughs>